0: But right now, I want to draw your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. The word quick means alive. So, who shall judge the alive, the quick, alive, and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? Verse 2 says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, because they will not endure sound doctrine, they will find, they will seek, they will heap to themselves teachers because their ears are itching to hear something that they can agree with. The Bible goes on to say in verse 4, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Now watch verse 5. This is where the bulk of the message will be. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, or because of that, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I want to take a moment and ask God's blessing on the message. Father, we love you tonight, and thank you for Wednesday night. Thank you for Bible study. Thank you for God's word that gives us so much hope and, and peace and reassurance and help every day of our life. Now Lord, tonight, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. And fill me with your spirit. That I might be able to preach and teach exactly what you gave me. And Lord, I'm going to pray like preacher Malcolm always prays. God, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. But don't let me miss saying anything that I should. And I pray you bless every hearer tonight. Everybody that's listening on Facebook, everybody that's, that's watching uh, through the app, or however they might be tuning in on the TV, I pray for your blessings as we dive into God's Word tonight. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you for praying with me. Let me ask you to do something. Uh, two things, preacher always asks if you will comment, especially if you're on social media. Comment and tell him. I'm sure he'll be looking tonight. Tell him uh, who you are and where you're watching from. And then how about this also? Let's pray uh, for preacher, for Malcolm Senior and their family uh, in the in the the death of uh, preacher's uncle. And just put there in the uh, in the comment section... Uh, section that, uh, you know, preacher, we're praying for you and your family. I know that'll be a big encouragement for him as he's uh, traveling back, I think, late tonight. And I know he'll be looking at the comments. So let's just flood that thing with hearts and with comments and prayers, and he'll appreciate that. When you come to this fourth chapter of the book of 2 Timothy, it is probably, uh, in, in my estimation, one of the best chapters in the New Testament. Of course, I could probably take any of these chapters in 1st or 2nd Timothy or Titus, which is what we call the pastoral epistles. You could probably take any of the chapters and I would probably say the same thing about it. But chapter 4 that I just read is definitely one of my favorites. And I want to point out a few things that are in this chapter Uh, by way of introduction, and we'll work down to the message in a minute. I want you to see in verses 1 through 4, the charge that Timothy was given. In this book, it's the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to his young protege, or his young, uh, as he says, his son in the faith, Timothy. And he gives Timothy a charge in verses 1 through 4. And there are witnesses involved in that charge. There's willingness involved in the charge. And there is a woefulness that is involved in the charge. The, uh, the charge is, is, is basically, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who shall judge the quick and the dead, his appearance in his kingdom, preach the word. So he charges him with the, the responsibility of the gospel ministry. And he says, I'm doing this, I'm charging you, I'm giving you this responsibility in front of some very uh, serious witnesses before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, he says. And he says, I want you to be willing. Preach the word. Be willing to take a stand With God's word and share God's word with everybody that you can. In verses three through four, he warned him that there also be woefulness. That's what he means when he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So there's a charge that was given. In verse five, there's a challenge. That was given. He said, Timothy, watch, endure, do, and make. And we'll go back to that one in a minute. In verses 6 through 7, there's a champion that Timothy was given. And the champion is none other than the Apostle Paul himself. Now the Apostle does not refer to himself as Timothy's champion. But there's no doubt in my mind that as Timothy was reading this book, Epistle, or reading this letter that Paul wrote to him, as he read it, I believe he probably wept many times. Maybe he read this by candlelight. Maybe he read this time and time again when he was fearful or unsure or even scared or timid in the face of the task he was given. And I'm sure that in the heart and mind of Timothy, the the, the novice preacher. As he thought about Paul, the aged preacher, I'm sure he thought of him as his champion. And here's what his champion did. According to verses 6 and 7, he fought well and he finished well. The Bible says in verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. So he fought well and he finished well. And Paul is, is trying to convey this to Timothy. Timothy, I want you to fight the good fight. I want you to finish strong. And by the way, it doesn't really matter how hard we fight if we don't finish if we don't finish the task that God has given us. And by the way, you know what Paul says? He said, I've finished my course. And friends, that's the only course I'm concerned about finishing is the course, the the plan of action, the will of God that he has given me for my life. Our social media and everything else has made it so easy to concern ourselves with everybody else's plans and everybody else's course. But Paul said, I finished my course. So we see the charge he was given, the challenge, the champion. But also in verses 17 and 18, we see the confidence that he was given. Actually... Verse 8, then 17 and 18. Paul gave him confidence. And you know, some things are better, as we say, better caught than taught. And I believe that, that, that Timothy caught the confidence in God that the Apostle Paul had. And he was confident in a reward. Verse 8, I love this. He said in verse 7, he's finished his course, he's kept the faith. In verse 8, he says, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. In other words, he was saying, Timothy, be confident that as you fight the good fight, and as you finish the course, when you come around third, and when you're headed home, and you slide into home plate, there is a reward for you. And we know this wasn't just for for the the great apostle Paul because in verse eight, he speaks of it and he says, "Uh, uh, uh, there's laid up a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not only and not to me only but unto all them also that love is appearing. Folks, that's me, that's you. As we look for the coming of Christ and fight the good fight of faith and finish our course, we have confidence that there's a reward coming. But he was also confident in a relationship. Verse 17, I I, I like this. In verse uh, 10, 11, 12, all down through there, Paul kind of recounts some of the people in his life. He says in verse 10, Demas hath forsaken me. He says that uh uh, uh that Titus has gone to, to, to Damasia. Uh only Luke is with me. And he goes down, he, he he talks about others that have left him in verse 14. He says, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much evil. The Lord reward him. <laughs> in other words, he's got something coming. But then in verse uh, uh Seventeen, he says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. In other words, Timothy was given confidence from the Apostle Paul and his his uh, his uh, uh, example of a reward and of a relationship. Friend, there's a special relationship that comes between a, a, a man of God or a woman of God, a child of God who presses forward. Oh, oh! when God stands with you and strengthens you, boy, that's a special relationship. And then he talks about the confidence in a reservation that he was given. Verse 18 says that uh, that the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. So that's a little outline of the chapter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We talked about the charge. We talked about the champion and the confidence. But what I want to hone in tonight on is the challenge that Timothy was given. The challenge that he was given. The word charge... Is sort of like a challenge. A charge is really a very serious committal of responsibility when we ordain a deacon or a or a pastor to the gospel ministry. Usually, another more seasoned uh, pastor will uh, will give the new pastor, a charge. And that means that we are encouraging them and committing to them the same responsibility that has been entrusted unto us with the Word of God. And no doubt, no doubt, ministry is a challenge. But why? Why why is ministry such a challenge? Well... Because of the times. Second Timothy 4 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We know these are uncertain times, these are unprecedented times, and these are unpeaceful times. And I don't have to elaborate on any three of them subpoints. I think everybody that could possibly be watching this tonight would agree with that. Because of the times, ministry is a challenge. But because of the task, ministry is a challenge. What is the task? Preach the Word. That's the main task, the main uh, call that, that, that uh, Timothy had that Paul reassured In his life. Preach the Word. Look, it's a defined task. He didn't say preach about the Word. He didn't say preach around the Word. He didn't say preach some of the Word. He didn't say water down the Word. He defined it and he said, Son, preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. Hey, do it when you feel like it. Preach it when you don't feel like it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. In other words, take the whole counsel of God and help on every uh, uh, spectrum of need. Preach the Word. It's a defined task, but oh my goodness, nowadays it's such a despised task. But before you think you're something real special, or before I think I'm something real special, Preaching was also despised when the Apostle Paul was doing it. That's exactly why he found himself in prison so many times. And that's why the Apostles found themselves as martyrs. That's why the church has been persecuted down through the history of the church through the ages because the preaching of God's Word without apology is a despised task. And ministry is a challenge also because of the temptation. What temptation, preacher? Well, the temptation to do something easier. The temptation, temptation simply to, to give up. Or you may not be thinking about just giving up today, but here's what we do. We think about oh, letting up or just relaxing or letting our guard down and taking it easy. I know that's been a temptation in the last weeks when we've not met here physically every Sunday and every Wednesday night. I know it's been a temptation in my heart, in my life, to just kind of take it easy. Tonight, as we look at this challenge of ministry, the title of the message is simply, A Challenge to Fulfill. Now for the next few minutes, please listen to me. Oh my goodness, please. Listen, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this to Timothy, as I said earlier. And they were both preachers, they were both pastors. But this pastoral epistle is not just to preachers. It's one of the 13 books that the Apostle Paul wrote. And and these 13 books are where we get the bulk of our New Testament church doctrine from. And folks, if you are saved by God's grace, this applies to you. And it applies to me. And we have a challenge to fulfill. Can I say that every Christian can fulfill their ministry... By meeting the challenges that are listed in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 5. There's four challenges. And that's where I want to hone in tonight. Challenge number 1. Look at verse 5. He says, but watch thou in all things. So our first challenge tonight to examine is to watch in all things things. The word watch means to be sober. It means to be alert, to be aware of your surroundings. I like to think of it as having my head in the game, being ready at a moment's notice. And the apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, son, watch in all things. Don't get tired, don't, uh, don't let yourself drift, don't let your mind go, but watch in all things as you perform your ministry. And folks, that's some great advice for you and I today in 2020. Watch in all things. Well, preacher, how do we do that? Two ways. First of all, by guarding our flesh. If we're going to watch... We have to guard our flesh. Do you remember the story recorded in Matthew chapter number 26? Uh, This is a very short time before Jesus would go to to the cross. This is when He was going into the Garden of Gethsemane. And He took uh, Peter, James, and John with Him. And here's what happened. uh, Verse 40 and 41 of Matthew 26. He he told them to, he said, Go watch and pray, and I'm gonna go a little further and I'm gonna pray. So he did that, and they went their way. And verse 40 says, and he cometh unto the disciples, unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Why? That ye enter not into temptation. And then he says the problem the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, I tell you what, that part where it says, He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. Boy, it gets me. You know, if there's if I guess if there I guess there's a whole bunch of things that, that I don't don't want to happen in my life, and there's a bunch of things I'm embarrassed that have happened in my Christian life. And one of them is this: when the Lord comes to me and finds me asleep, I'm not talking about physically sleeping. Now they were. They were physically. Asleep, but the meaning is they failed to watch and pray Jesus was carrying the heaviest burden that night that he would ever carry while he was here on earth and I believe he desired them to enter into that burden with him and carry it but they fell asleep now, on a side note, that's just further proof that Jesus did what he did on Calvary to purchase our salvation all by himself. He didn't have to have their help. He didn't have to have their prayers. He didn't have to have their watchfulness. So it wasn't Jesus that really missed out on their when when they fell asleep and failed in their duty. But I promise you this. Peter, James, and John missed out on the great opportunity to intercede for the Lord Jesus, to intercede for their best friend, to intercede for the one that they'd grown so much to love. And folks, let me tell you something. God is sovereign and God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The question is not, if I flake out, is, is, is the whole, uh, everything God's doing going to crash and burn? That's not the question. God's bigger than that. The question is, am I going to crash and burn? And unfortunately, I've already seen the answer to that in my life numerous times. We need to guard our flesh. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thanketh, he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. In other words, in our flesh, sometimes we can feel so strong, but pride is a slippery slope And if we don't guard our flesh, that's where we find ourselves. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men. Be strong. Strong in the faith. Listen, if the church has ever needed strong Christians who can love strong and give strong and and share strong and work in strength and go in strength and plow the gospel plow in strength, it's needed today. And in case you're thinking, well, I'm not really that essential, can I just tell you this? Every child of God is an essential worker. Amen. You're part of the body of Christ, and if one part is missing, the whole body suffers. Colossians 4 and verse 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So, we watch in all things by guarding our flesh. And I like this one, uh, by guiding our heart. By guiding our heart. You stay with me on this sub-point here. I think you'll be surprised. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is, is, is giving a farewell address or a, a, just a farewell, uh, not speech. It's very personal, I think, to the elders that were at, from the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and unto and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, listen, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears as he was giving this farewell uh, 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 speech to his dear friends, the elders from the church at Ephesus, he said, I know even from yourselves, those of you that I know, those of you that I've invested in, there's going to be trouble. In other words, don't follow your heart. April says, lead it to God. He's telling them, don't take every cue from your heart. Instruct your heart what to do. A couple of years ago, we were in the Philippines at our ministry there with our friends that we miss so much. And April was asked to, I don't know exactly what it was, but she was uh, to be in charge of uh, the teenage girls on a youth retreat or something of that nature. And the theme of it was, don't follow your heart, lead it to God. She had uh, 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 t-shirts made up, and, and it made such an impression on these young Filipino girls. It made an impression on me also, because I'd never thought about it like that. I mean, everybody gives you the advice. Well, what do you think I should do? Man, just follow your heart. No! That's bad advice. Look what Proverbs says. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That tells us how important what goes in our heart and what comes out of it is. But look at Proverbs 16.9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. You know what that means? That means you can have one direction in mind in your heart, but God has a whole nother direction in mind. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.3, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. I don't know about you, but for me there's been plenty of times... When what I felt in my heart was contrary to what God was telling me through His Word. And if I followed my heart, I'd go down a completely different path. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Proverbs 28:26 says he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely he shall be Delivered. We're talking about watching, being alert, being sober, not getting too relaxed. But 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 as the days grow more and more evil and, and, and as the the, the the times around us are, are so against us, we're talking about being alert, being on guard, guarding our flesh and guiding our heart. Tara shared a, a story with me today that I want to read to you. It is about George Washington's Continental Army. It says that, the story says that during the Revolutionary War, a loyalist spy appeared at the headquarters of Hessian Commander Colonel Johann Raw. And he was carrying an, an urgent message General George Washington and his Continental Army had secretly crossed the Delaware River that morning and were advancing on Trenton, New Jersey, where the Hessians were encamped. The spy was denied an audience with the commander, and instead he resorted to writing his message on a piece of paper. He gave it to a porter, and the porter took the note to the Hessian colonel. But because uh, Colonel Raw was involved in a poker game, he just stuffed the unread note in his pocket. When the guards at the Hessian camp began firing their muskets in a futile attempt to stop Washington's army, Raw was still playing cards. Without time to organize, the Hessian army was captured. The battle occurred the day after Christmas, 1776, giving the colonists a late present, their first major victory of the war. What was the big issue there? What was the big downfall? He was distracted. He was playing cards when he should have been commanding a war. Let me ask you this before I move on. Are you watching? Have you become distracted in your Christian walk? I want to invite you today to pray and ask God, God, help me to get my head in the game and watch in all things. Let me give you challenge number two. He told him, Timothy, watch in all things. And then look in verse five. He says, endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. The word endure means to bear with patience. It means to support without breaking. And I think we all know what afflictions are there's there's christians right now listening to me probably that that are laid off uh, maybe tomorrow or next week is uncertain as far as your employment those are afflictions there's people who have been persecuted because of your stand you've taken for the lord at work or at home in some cases with your family those are afflictions. The apostle was, uh, Paul was no stranger to affliction himself. In 2 Corinthians 11, he said of the Jews five times, Received I uh, forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness. In other words, he's saying, everywhere I went, I suffered affliction. Everybody I ran into had a hand in that affliction. And Paul says here, Here's what I want you to do, Timothy. When you're afflicted, I I want you to endure it. (laughs) Isn't that something? I read that and I think, oh, great advice. Put up with it. Endure it. But here's the thing. God's people have always been called upon to endure affliction. And, and, and I don't have this right down, but this is just a, maybe a side note for you about that or, or for me about that. When we endure things, when we endure wrong, for example, you, you, have you ever been in a situation and just maybe to keep peace, it, maybe it wasn't even your fault, but you went and you apologized? Maybe you were the bigger man or the bigger woman and you just said, you know what? I'm sorry that that I did that. And it seemed like they didn't even care. Don't you love that? That would be a real bad deal. We would always get the, the short end of the stick if God... Number one was not in control. And number two was not a God of justice. Remember this, for every time you've been done wrong, God's God of justice. Every wrong one day will be made right. No sin will go undealt with. We reap what we sow. And I can be the bigger man. I can be the one that forgives. I can be the one that, that even if I'm not in the wrong, I can endure that affliction. Why? God's got my back. God's got it. He'll make sure the injustices are dealt with. He'll make sure the wrongs are righted. Remember, there's coming the judgment seat of Christ for believers and the great white throne of judgment for unbelievers. And don't you think for a minute that Satan is going to win. Hey, it may look dark now. It may look dismal now. It may look like the church is on the losing end now. But I've read the back of the book and praise God. Nothing, nothing escapes the mind of God and the long arm of God's justice. How, how though, how do we endure affliction? What else? How do we do that? Well, Paul told Timothy to endure affliction by remembering his calling. By remembering, remembering his calling. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6-9. through 9. He says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Watch this. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God. In other words, the power of God will empower you to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. And by the way, God gets great glory when his servants endure great affliction... For the sake of the gospel. Now watch what it says. Verse 9. Who hath saved us. And called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose in grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And boy about 5.45 this morning. God gave me something good in that verse right there. He said, Timothy, he said, said, endure these afflictions of the gospel uh, 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 according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Watch this. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Here's what God showed me early this morning. The call of God is pure. He said, Timothy, God's called you with a holy calling. The scripture says, he that desireth the office of a bishop desireth a good work. And I was encouraged that the calling that God has put on my life is a pure call. It's probably the purest thing in my life. Because it wasn't my idea. I didn't think it up. I didn't dream it up. And I've done it now for over 20 years. And I've done it enough to know, had I thunk it up, I'd have rethought it. Because it ain't easy. But he says the call of God is pure, but it's also purposeful. Let me go back to that that pure part. He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Some of you are doing everything you can do, running yourself crazy, hoping God will call you. That ain't how it works. Now, I do believe that that God notices people who do something. I believe God notices people that aren't sitting on their hands all day. Absolutely. But the call, call of God is pure. In other words, you can't do enough to earn that. It's God's idea. It's also purposeful. According to his own purpose and grace. If God has called you, that ought to be the greatest purpose you have in your life. You say, well, God hadn't called me to be a preacher. That don't matter. If God has called you to be a Christian, that means he's called you to be a disciple, which means God's called you to make disciples. And if you have a job as a painter or a plumber or a construction worker or a school teacher or whatever you may be, You need to do that with with all your heart, but your purpose ought to be wrapped around your Christian calling because it's a pure purpose. But watch this. The call of God is also prearranged. It's prearranged. The Bible says in verse 9, Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Before the world began. In other words, you didn't, do, you didn't impress God so much, they decided to call you. Before you ever breathed your first breath. The Lord told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Thank you, Lord. In other words, God's will for your life is, is pretty much prearranged. God's called you, Christian. And we need to endure afflictions. How? By remembering our calling. And by renewing our commitment. Renewing our commitment. I think that that, that that June 10th, I guess is what it is today, maybe, I think, of 2020, is about as good a day as any to renew our commitment to the Lord and to the gospel ministry it's been such a, 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 a weird few months, such a roller coaster a few weeks. And while I say that, let me say something that hadn't been roller coaster. What's gone on here every Sunday and every Wednesday? Brother Dustin has done a, a, a fabulous job. Preacher has done a fabulous job. Uh, everybody that, that, that works at the church and has anything to do with this. They have just kept on trucking and made it possible for the rest of us to have some semblance of of normalcy every Sunday with our church services and every Wednesday with our Bible studies. And I praise God for them. And I know you do, too. But there's probably some of us that just need to renew our commitment unto the Lord tonight. We need to remember that even when it's hard, we're to preach the gospel Even when it's hard, we we, we have a a responsibility to live for God. 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4 says, uh, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Endure afflictions. Let me ask you this question before I move on. Will you endure aff- afflictions for the sake of the gospel and stick with it? I didn't, you didn't hear me say it'd be easy. But it's our challenge to fulfill. Watch in all things. Endure afflictions quickly. Number three, the third challenge in verse five. Do the work. Do the work. I like this one. Paul told Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. The part that gets me is simply do the work. I know a lot of small business owners, just tons of them. And one thing they've all told me at one point or another, and usually with my closer friends, it's, it's, It seems like all the time, good help's hard to find. (laughs) Maybe if you've owned a small business, you could say amen to that. Good help's hard to find. Why is that? Because most people would rather get the reward without the work. Most people would like a paycheck without laboring to earn the paycheck. And I think that's why Paul just reminded Timothy, he said, listen, son, you're going to have to do the work of an evangelist. You can't just have a title. That doesn't help nobody. You can't just have an office. That don't help nobody. Do the work. How? By our effort. Proverbs 19.24 says, a slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Proverbs 20 and verse 4 says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Proverbs 21, 25 says, The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs twenty two thirteen 13 says, The slothful man saith, There's a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. In other words, making excuses not to go to work. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, that's right. If a man won't go to work, he shouldn't eat. That's what the Bible says. But how about when we are slothful to share our story? How about when we become the sluggard in our Bible reading, in our prayer time? I almost said it's awful quiet in here, but that's because there just ain't nobody in here. <laughs> that's that's tough, but listen, if, if if we're going to be able to say, "Hey, he ought to work," then we got to work too. How could the church be different if we would recommit ourselves tonight and say, "God, show me who to witness to in the morning." Show me who to help in the morning. Show me who to pray for tonight. We do the work by our effort and by our exercise. And no, I do not mean yoga. I do not mean going to the gym. I had me a good excuse going for about two and a half months. The gym is closed down. Now they open back. So I don't really have an excuse. But my point is this. We need to practice. I remember when I went to Bible college. They told me, matter of fact. April's daddy, Jerry McFalls, he was one of the first ones. He said, son, if you say you're a preacher, you need to be preaching. All the teachers in the Bible college said, if you're preacher, if you claim to be a preacher, you need to be preaching. I'm like, I ain't got no church. And they said, you don't need no church. There's a place called Maddie C. Hall Nursing Home down in Aiken. They, they're there all day, 24-7, just begging somebody to preach to them. And I said, sign me up. The very first time I went... Preacher Malcolm went with me because I was scared and didn't know what to do. About halfway through my sermon, an old lady in the back who had been sleeping and drooling on her tray raised up and said, "Ah, oh, shut up!" <laughs> he said, "What'd you do? I said, shut up. I didn't know what to do." I looked back at preacher; he was sitting behind me and he was laughing. And I said, "What do I do?" What, what? He said, "Just keep preaching." I preached on in about two, three more minutes. And she said the same thing, except she added a cuss word. And I looked back at the preacher. I said, what do I do? He said, just pray. It's time to close. So there were exciting times. And it didn't do nothing for my ego. But it sure did exercise my faith. And I learned through preaching at the nursing home and preaching at the county jails with my, uh, with my soon-to-be father-in-law, I learned that I have to do the work of an evangelist. I can't just be called Preacher Travis or Missionary Travis or, or Pastor Travis. I, if I'm going to be called of God, I need to do the work. It takes effort. It takes exercise. And It takes just staying with it. I love to train dogs. I have a great dog now. His name is and Some of y'all have seen him on Facebook. and he, I train him to do all kinds of stuff and I love it. But one thing I've noticed in training dogs is that they're always they're, they're, through, through the time of training a dog and whatever you're training him for, there's times of setback. There's times when, you know, he'll be sitting perfect. For a week, every time you tell him to sit, and then you'll go out to train with him the next day, and it's like he's just lost his mind. He don't know what who you are, what sit is, what a, he just, he refuses to do it. And, and and when this first, this phenomenon first happened to me years ago, I, I was like, I didn't know, I was so upset, I was so disheartened. I, and, and one of my buddies in, in Augusta, that's a, uh, a great dog trainer, he said, just give it time. He said when they do that, just do something simple, give them a big reward, put them up, tomorrow's another day. And here's what happens. A dog at whatever stage he is, at some point, he's just going to lose his mind and just not do what you say. And you'll think the whole thing's a failure. Then you'll get him out the next day or the next day, and boom, he does it in an instant, and he never fails from that time on. And so it's like you make progress, progress, progress and it all falls apart seemingly. But if you keep doing the work of training, if you keep trying, if you keep keep on with the routine, it's not long before that setback is actually it's it's a it's a necessary step in his advancement. And that's what I found with the Christian life. We just had to we got to keep doing the work. Let me ask you this. Are are you doing the work God's called you to do? Don't wait for everything to open back up. Do it where you are. Do the work God's called you to do. And lastly, a challenge to fulfill. The fourth and final challenge is this. He says, verse verse 5, Watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, Make full proof of thy ministry. Make full proof. The term full proof, the, the, the best definition I could find that, that, that explained it to me is to bring into a full measure like when a, a sailboat raises its sail and the wind uh, is so strong, it fills the sails with wind, and it's a full amount of wind in, in the sail. Make full proof of thy ministry. It's like sailing a ship in full wind. And that's what Paul told Timothy to do. In other words, don't play with it. Don't do this part-time or halfway. You're the man that God has chosen for this task. Now do the task. That don't mean you can't do other things. Some of the best pastors I know are bivocational pastors. Matter of fact, some of the bivocational pastors I know study 20, 30, 40 hours a week. And work 40 hours a week. Some more than 40 hours a week. What are they doing? They're making full proof of their ministry. They're taking serious the call to God. How do you do that? One way by pressing forward. Remember now, the Apostle Paul was fixing to check out. He said, I fought uh, my fight. I finished my course. In other words, I'm over and out. I'm done. Timothy, it's up to you. And can I tell you something, folks? It's up to us. It's now or never. Either we're going to take the ball and carry it across the goal line for Christ, or we're not. But we need to press forward. Make foolproof. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.29 says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to the working According to his working, which worketh in me mightily. In Acts 20, in verse 27, listen to me. Stay with me. Acts 20, in verse 27, Paul said this. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's why Paul said, I finished my course. He could say to everybody he's ministered to, I've not shunned to declare unto you the counselor. At one point he said, Hey, your blood's not on my hands. I've told you I've done my part. The question is, what about us? Folks, we have a challenge to fulfill and God's put the ball in our court. What a great Opportunity! What a great responsibility to live for God and bring help, bring hope, be a bright light in such a dark time.